Coming up next, all aboard the Orient Express. Choo-choo. <laughs> As the booking reads, Murder on the Orient Express. And I'm your humble and obedient host, and I'm joining you yet again for another discussion, or a continuing discussion, of Murder on the Orient Express. Couldn't be more exciting. And ooh, what's that? Uh, I just felt a, a chill. There's a woman in the room. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm Danny. You want to know a fun fact about me? I do. I'm single. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> oh, wow. Burn. Shots fired. <laughs> you set me up for that. <laughs> You're shocked. I am a single man in my 30s. And as such, I try not to talk to women because they find it creepy, especially young married ladies like yourself. This is by far the most co- talking we've ever had. I know, had. but uh, I, I don't talk to women, especially the, the married... Uh, Women that are married to men, because, you know, what's the point? It's not like they're going to marry, marry me. So we've hardly exchanged two words. And yet... Here we are. Here we are. And you're on the booking. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. And you are joining us yet again today to discuss Murder on the Ori Express. Danny, let's, let's find out a little bit about you. What's your favorite movie? Either The King's Speech okay. or, or Sense and Sensibility. Sense of Sensibility, the Emma Thompson version? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are two excellent choices, I would Thank you. say. Thank you very much. So do you, you like the historical drama genre? I guess so. And apparently I like Brits. Apparently you like Brits. Which is why we're sitting right here. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. That is very interesting. So let's see. I'm trying to remember those movies. You've got your Colin Firth. You've got your freaker married to Tim Burton lady playing his wife. Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, Helena in Bonham her most Carter. normal role ever. <laughs> in her most yeah. normal role ever. Jeffrey oh, yeah, Rush. Yeah, Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, you got him. Oh, that's right. Uh, you I, got... I was practicing on the microphone before I came. Just like they do in the King's speech. I saw that movie... Once I haven't seen it for a while, but I remember being really good. I have also seen *Sense and Sensibility* with dashing Alan Rickman. Oh. rest in peace. May he rest in peace. A good actor. It's great. Uh, one of the best. The, one of the best. Could really. I was uh, legitimately sad when I heard he died. He was. Yeah. That, that was that year where everyone was like, "2016, stop it, killing our heroes." But Alan Rickman might have been the one that I was actually sad about. There were a bunch of people that died. I forget who, but Lot. lots. And Alan Rickman was really sad. Who else? Let's see. That's, that one's got the Kate Winslet. It's got the uh-huh. Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, very young, like pre-Titanic, probably Kate Winslet, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're all beautiful. And they say funny Jane Austen stuff. And uh-huh. it's a good movie. It's a very good movie. Yeah. I like that movie. Those are good choices. Thank you. Danny, I'm going to talk to the other two gentlemen. Okay. Make sure they're on good behavior for you. Thank you very because much. Because I am a good host. It was, nice, it was nice talking with you. Yeah, I, I enjoyed talking with you, too. Thank you. Brandon! Chastine, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie, probably Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Mm. That's a really good movie. 
Yeah. It's a good soundtrack. That's a really good soundtrack. The annoying thing about that soundtrack, and I did it too. I Probably all four of us in this room did it. That soundtrack came out and we were all probably like, we like folk music. Folk music is our favorite. Old timey folk music is so good. Nobody liked it before. Oh, brother, where art thou? But everyone posed. Maybe Brandon, did you like it before? Is everyone, probably all three of you are going to be like, I actually liked it before. Oh, brother. Danny, did you like that kind of music before? Oh, brother, where art thou? No, you didn't. I don't actually know how old I was when it came out. Probably so. like, I don't know. I think I was 13 or 14. What uh, year did that come out, Jake? Look it up. It was a long time ago. I don't, I didn't like it before then. 2000. 2000. I was 12. You were 12. Oh. I would have been in high school somewhere. 15. 15, 16, 17, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, I just remember a lot of people being like, oh man, you know, folk music's the best. What, a bunch of posers. Do you like Oh Brother Where Art Thou, Danny? I do, and I like folk music. You like folk? And I, okay. Thanks to Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Um, Maybe. Maybe. We don't know. We don't remember. Brandon? Yes. Oh Brother Where Art Thou, your favorite movie. That's a really good choice. A very interesting choice. Thank you. I thought your favorite movie was Arrival. Oh, yeah. I love Arrival. I, I did like Arrival. Even the part where she doesn't tell Jeremy Renner at the end? Oh, come on. <laughs> We have to save this for later. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Arrival. Yeah, no spoilers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no spoilers. It's a movie with uh, Jeremy Renner, Amy Adams, and some aliens. Forrest Whitaker's in it, too. Forrest Whitaker's in it. In one of his two dud roles from that year, he played a dumb role in Star Wars and a dumb role in that. Wow. Um, you have strong feelings on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good movie. It just, it, just, it just wasn't exceptional. I wanted it to be great. It came out, I saw it on my birthday for crying out loud. Yeah. Jake tricked me into seeing it on my birthday. <laughs> you were just set up to not like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> he just wanted me to be miserable on my birthday, so he took me to that movie, <laughs> right. bought me a ticket. Uh, and Jake, of course, stands for Jacob. Jacob goes in front of Mensel. Who was that, you ask? Why, it's the pastor who's a master of reading. How you doing, Jake? I'm fine, Nathan. Got your t-shirt, got your jeans, got your sandals, looking looking sharp today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, feeling sharp too. Feeling sharp. <laughs> now, folks, little little trade secret. Behind you, peek behind the curtain here. We record these episodes sometimes all in a row. Like you hear episodes at the same time, but we actually recorded them all on one day. And so, remember last week how I was sick. I'm still sick. And remember how Brandon was being all motherly and telling me that the dairy was going to make me feel better. He was at, or no, feel worse. He was absolutely right. It is. Um, but that's okay. Because... I told you so. Yeah. Well... I should have just hit it out of your hand. You're not the, you're not the boss of me, Mom. Go to your room. Fine. All right, you guys uh, ready for to discuss more Murder on the Orient Express, Danny? I got... I got what? I got a question. Oh, yeah, sure. You didn't ask Jake's favorite movie. Oh, yeah. I was hoping to avoid that. Jake, what's your, what's your favorite movie? I don't know. I Is wah, it just he, he doesn't want to tell us? It's probably yeah. something really embarrassing. Well, I got like mine Anna nostalgia Green choice. Is it The Big Green? No. That movie where the guy has to kiss, kiss the goat because the team loses the, his team loses the soccer match? I've never seen that movie. I've never seen that movie. dumb kids right. movie. Is it Dunson Checks In? Oh, Air... Uh, I don't know. Air... Air Bud? Air Bud? Air Bud. Is it Air Bud? <laughs> no. It's about basketball. Confines dogs and basketball. Two great tastes that go great together. It's like the Reese's of movies. It's Jake. He probably his favorite movie is probably one of the top three dumbest sports movies of all time. <laughs> is there a sports movie that might be in contention? Might there not be Hoosiers or the Hoosiers bad is news great. Bears or Hoosiers is great. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams is also great. Sure, wish someone would ask what my favorite movie. What's your favorite movie, Nathan? Oh, Nathan, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> I don't actually have an answer to that. Uh, uh, 
I just, I, you know, I, I, I like so many different kinds of movies, guys. Uh-huh. You know? oh, I like it's such a wide variety. It's impossible to choose just one. Okay, <laughs> It's a rival, you know? isn't it? It's a little bit like music. I don't know if you knew this about me, Danny. It makes me very unique. I like all different kinds of music. That is so weird. Like if you look on my iTunes, you know, my uh, my playlist and stuff, it's like different kinds of music. It's like you've got your rock and roll, your Broadway, you know, it's just like I'm eclectic. I'm interesting. I'm unique because I like music. Mm-hmm. All different kinds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe you. You probably only like one. I mean, most people like one kind of music. Right. I only have one genre in my iTunes. And what would that genre be? Is it dubstep? You nailed it. <laughs> That's what I thought. I, I know a dubstep song. listener when I see one. <laughs> <laughs> That's your name. I hereby dub you. Dubstep Danny. Dubstep Danny. <laughs> dubstep Danny. We got the I, master, I master of reading. We got the scholar who's a baller of reading or literature or whatever. And we got Dubstep Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I was really ready to be the mom who's the bomb at something. Ooh. The mom who's the bomb at what? Mothering? Jake, Book, don't patronize booking. her. She's not just Book. a mother. She's a human being. Okay? <laughs> Jake's like, I'm going to put the glass ceiling back on the booking. Piecing it back together. He's got his scotch tape out. <laughs> did Danny, did you know that according to Jake, the only important thing that you can do in life is be a wife and mother? You are incapable of any other pursuit, interest, or thing. I vaguely remember him shouting that before he asked me to be a guest on the booking. He shouted it. <laughs> he just came up. With I, vague, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing you can do in life is be a mother and a wife. <laughs> would you be on the booking? <laughs> it, it, it was something like that. It was something like that. Danny, we don't name ourselves on the booking. We earn our titles. If you want to be the mom who's a bomb of literature, that's fine. But we're going to find out whether you're the mom who's a bomb of I, literature. I took notes to be here. Does that make me a... Whoa. Whoa. Bomb is a bomb of note taking, at least. Okay. Yeah. I hope I'm the bomb of asking questions. I was making notes at 5 a.m. when I. Okay. Wow. Wow. I didn't actually want to be up at 5 a.m. For the record. But you were up at 5 a.m. But I was. I couldn't fall back asleep, so I was making notes. You stayed up all the night. Old dubstep more than Danny. She likes to. <laughs> I had to do my sex proud. <laughs> I thought about earmat marking a page. <laughs> you said you thought about earmarking a page. Yeah. I didn't do that. I listened to a quarter of the book on Audible. Okay, let's talk about Murder on the Orient Express. What's say old Dee Dee? Can I call you Dee Dee? Nope. Dubstep Danny? D squared? Nope. <laughs> That's weird. That is kind of weird. <laughs> now that you mention it, it's weird. <laughs> All right. This is this is exciting. Right now, you started out as Dubstep Danny. You don't want to be Dubstep Danny. You have to prove that you know how to discuss literature, that you're, in fact, capable of critical thinking that we've never had any evidence on the booking that a woman can do. I am so ready. If you make it to the end of this podcast <clears throat> by uh, doing a good job, then we'll put it to a vote. I'll vote. Brandon will vote. Jake will vote, and we'll decide whether you're the bomb who's a bomb <laughs> of reading. I hope not a bomb who's a bomb. The bomb? Wait, what? What did I say? <laughs> the bomb who's a bomb. Oh, the bomb who's a bomb of reading. Mm-hmm. No. It doesn't make any sense. The mom who's a bomb of reading. I'm excited. How do you feel about that? I am ready. You're being judged by three men, <laughs> and you're only going to be paid 66% of what we get paid for the booking. I hope Jake told you that. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, 66% of zero is, in fact, what, Brandon? Zero. Zero. All right. Let's get to it. Let's let's talk about murder on the, uh, the old uh, Orient Express. Danny, so you like Miss Marple better. In general, I prefer Miss Marple over Poirot. And actually, uh, Christy did, too. 
She grew to not like Poirot. Just because she was cursed with his success kind of thing? Yeah. Like, well, and he, she would get letters from people saying, Belgians don't do that. Belgians don't say this. Uh, you made uh. him too French. You made him too English. <laughs> Belgians don't do this. So she actually, in one of her stories, I can't remember which one, she has a character who's an author who writes, a mystery author who writes about some detective from like Latvia or something. And she hates that he's so successful. So she kind of, she wrote herself into one of her stories. Nice. Hating her detective. And I think... I should, I should have looked this up. I think she actually tried to kill Poirot off once. He dies. Well, she does kill him yeah. off, yeah. But she never killed Miss Marple. She never killed Miss Marple. He dies after he kills someone. Oh, I haven't read that one. Oh, I'm sorry. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> we okay. said they were going to be spoilers. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there are a couple. So, and then they were not as excellent. Um, the ABC murders. Yeah, I know that's popular. Oh, that was so good. Are you, have you um, ever seen the movie of Witness for the Prosecution? I, uh, I think so. It's yeah, really that's good a good movie. Yeah. I think I have seen that. Um, but the play is really good. The mousetrap is really good. Do you have a favorite adaptation of I haven't actually seen much. I've mostly... seen like the David Suchet Poirot. I'm going to say it wrong. How's po- it? Poirot. Poirot that everyone likes. I don't think I've ever seen him. I've seen a, a couple of Miss Marbles. I'm, I'm sure I've seen a Poirot. My dad watches them. So I'm sure when I've been home one time, I've watched one with him. There's not an iconic Miss Marple. Like there is David Suchet for Poirot. Mm-hmm. Poirot. He's definitely who I was imagining. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's impossible not to imagine him. He's got the wrong mustache. Or does he? Je ne sais pas. Je ne sais pas. I don't know what that means. I only speak Je sais American. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is What does he say? Ratchet when he's the French phrase. The Trump. Trump. Never but, mind. But it's not, it's not ratchet. It's not ratchet. It's because he doesn't speak French. Right. No. <laughs> That's right. Very decidedly not. All right. Any more baggage? What else do you do? Do you like other kinds of mysteries novels? Are you mystery con? con uh, what's it called? Uh, connoisseur? Um, I've read some. I've read a little bit of Dorothy Sayers, Brother Cadfail, who Peter Ellis. No, Ellis Peters. When's the last time you read a Christie novel? Last summer, I read a bunch of short stories. So she's still like a go-to, like it's a quick. Uh, you know, I read this in like three hours, and yeah. so the short stories I'll start in the afternoon and read one while I'm stirring soup for dinner kind of thing. Are you able to simultaneously read and stir soup? Yes, yes. I am. <laughs> wow. Score points for uh, Mom is the Bomb. The, the, mom, right, yeah. the mom is the Bomb of Literature. I think you just scored your first point. But you're still dubstep damn Danny <laughs> right now. Dubstep <laughs> <laughs> Danny. <laughs> 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 probably just insert music at that point. Yeah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon? Yes. Your context, sir. Or nope, 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 nope. I take it back. You already gave your context. I've been messing this up a lot lately, but this time I'm on Dayquil, oh, which I was I... ready to start again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know we got time for that. Brandon, your uh your baggage, sir. What baggage did you bring to this novel? Not a lot. I this was my first time to actually read an Agatha Christie book. So I understand yeah. that Mrs. Chastine is quite the fan. That's what I was about to say is my wife loves Agatha Christie. She's read a good majority of her books. I think she'd say that Miss Marple's her favorite too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I had read a lot of Sherlock Holmes. I went through your typical stuck up home school English major stage where I read instead of Agatha Christie, you know, I read Dorothy Sayers and I read <laughs> Peter Whimsey really is an effeminate dude. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. They're really fun books though. Yeah, they are. They are fun. I tried to read Father Brown. But never really got into yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Can't do it. Can't do it. I tried. Sorry, um, Justin. But I guess Father Brown kind of falls into that category, right? The eccentric. Uh, Miss Marple. He's not as eccentric and brilliant as the other detectives. Mm-hmm. He's more gets by on how much he can disappear into the shadows. Yeah. Well, he has normal. good like spiritual and psychological and like yeah. he can sort of 
he could read people well, which is a handy skill for some certain detectives. So I, I came to this expecting it to be kind of a pot boiler and was surprised. I actually enjoyed it, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you seen many Agatha adaptations? I saw the Albert Finney one a long time ago and don't remember it. But since my wife is such a big fan of Agatha Christie, for a while there, when we had the time, we would watch an episode of the David Suchet and... That's why he's so ingrained. There's only like 4,000 episodes of that. There's a lot of them. But they're, you know, they're the good BBC productions. I think he's actually Uh, done the entire Poirot canon. Really? He has, yeah. Yeah. All the way up to the one where he dies. (laughs) And so last night we watched his version of Orient Express. It's very different. He gives it a weird sort of dark twist. Hmm. Changes some elements too. Don't spoil that. They probably, because the Albert Finney version is a pretty faithful adaptation, I think, of the book. They probably just wanted to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. It's more of, there's a lot of existential tiredness to it. It's weird. You'll have to go watch it. (laughs) (laughs) That is weird. Any more baggage you'd like to know? I never was really taken with the detective novel. Um, Did you, I think you said, but did you read some Sherlock Holmes? You didn't, but you weren't a big Holmes guy. No, I never really was into it. My favorite was always Mr. Bucket and Bleak House. And Bleak House was, and probably still is one of my favorite novels. We'll That's probably, my baggage. We'll have to get to it one of these years. Maybe next year. I think I've said that exact sequence of it, sentences before about Bleak House. Jake, your baggage. I don't think that I've ever read an Agatha Christie novel uh, before this one, but I can't say for sure. I'm a big fan of Candy, and mm-hmm. she fits squarely into the candy genre for me, and I've read a lot of junk food and candy that I like, and maybe I've read Agatha Christie, maybe not. Don't really, no, can't really say. I think my awareness of I'm consuming Agatha Christie has been entirely through movies and TV shows. When I lived with Bob Kaplowitz, who for our listeners, Bob Kaplowitz is an older gentleman in our church who has cerebral palsy, and he generally houses five or six college guys living with him. So back when I was in college, I lived with Bob and took care of him. He's a big Agatha Christie fan, so I remember watching a lot of Poirot and Miss Marple with him. I just came expecting... I do like... you know, I, lo- I love Sherlock Holmes. I-, I like the detective genre. I like a good mystery. And so I just came expecting to have a fun whodunit, read it quickly, and enjoyed it. So mm, I think I might be a little bit outnumbered on this one. Nathan... Um, I loved it. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> well, my baggage is that my absolute favorite novel is Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> um, my second favorite is, uh, and then there were none. My third favorite would be the ABC Minute. Uh, no, actually, guys, we've been playing it up for tension. And because you guys actually think I hate Agatha Christie. I don't hate Agatha Christie. She's never been my favorite, though. And I've always been kind of confused by that because I like all the trappings of that kind of stuff. I love detective stuff. But I've always liked detective stories i suppose we'll maybe talk about this more in the body of the the show but i've always liked detective stories with really rich colorful characters for the suspects and with a really fun detective i even liked that dumb sherlock show for a while until it got really meta and stupid but you know um that's my hot take i think probably most people agree with me i don't know i, I like that dumb you. sherlock show it's probably your favorite show is your favorite show i watched it the first season kind of creeped me out. No, I watched it. Oh, you did? Um, Moriarty creeps me out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the first I don't, season, I don't handle creepy very well. You don't have a creepy? But yeah, apologies. Apologies? Wait. Uh-oh. I'll do your entire Sick favorite burn. genre. Oh, I thought you were just saying I, I thought you were about him. Like, I'm a creep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Nathan. My apo- no, I don't handle sorry. creepy very well. Apologies to you. You'll notice I've been slowly scooting away from you. If I seem uncomfortable around you, it's because, A, I don't handle creepy very well. Well, okay. Thanks for telling me. 
I so the thing that I guess has always been weird to me about Christy is that she's I just don't get into her all that much. I always enjoy really good prestige movie adaptations like or good BBC stuff. I'll watch and enjoy. I like some of those David Suchet things and Miss Marple. I never really liked. She's an old lady. She doesn't do anything interesting. She just solves mysteries. Is that like a fantasy That's, of your... Do you want to be an old lady that solves mysteries? Why do people like this Miss Marple? It's interesting that, that she solves mysteries. It's not interesting, though. I wouldn't want to go on a car ride with Miss Marple. I think she'd be a lovely lady. Yeah, she'd be she'd probably, knit, she'd probably knit you something. Yeah, are we in the summer or the winter? Oh, it's Britain, so It's always either. cold. It's always cold. <sighs> I don't know. So that's that's always been my thing about Agatha Christie is I really like her. I tend to like the movies and I've always been defeated by the books. I have never read an Agatha Christie book all the way through. <gasps> did, you read, did you read this one? No. <laughs> I, I read some of it. <sighs> I'm just going to confess. <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say it. I just have to confess. Like, it's so boring. <laughs> I'm sorry, Danny. I didn't want to let you down. I thought Danny's going to be on our podcast and she wants to talk about it. It's going to be good. And I have to have good questions and be a good host. Danny, she's coming here. But man, I just, I have a hard time getting into Agatha Christie. I don't resent her. I don't think she's bad. I get why people like her. She's just not for me. I guess I'll just put that out there right now and rip that bandaid off to start at the beginning instead of waiting until the end. I have skimmed my way through... Murder on the Orient Express. I have, I'm aware of the story. One thing is I have seen the Albert Finney movie much more recently than Brandon. So I knew the ending, which made it kind of like, okay, well, it's fun to watch plot machinery whirl. You're allowed to argue with me. You can say, shut up, Nathan. You're stupid. Her prose is brilliant. Mr. Billingsley's character is so well defined. I don't know how you uh, combat. It's not my thing. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, isn't my thing. So much to fight with there. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe we should just get to our discussion so that we can discuss it. I will say that I really like post Agatha Christie. Really, I think part of, probably part of my problem. I discovered mystery novels through Raymond Chandler, who I've talked about several times on the podcast. He's a really, actually, pretty bad at plot. Wasn't his forte. His mysteries are super complicated and usually don't make any sense. And there's no way you'd ever guess. And if you guessed, you wouldn't care. But his style is really good and his characters are really good and his dialogue is really good. So that was kind of the, the thing that I came to mysteries for. I did like Sherlock Holmes, I guess. But I was never really the kind of person that was interested in pitting my wits against the detective. It seems like to me, there are two kinds of mysteries. There's the ones that I can figure out at the beginning, like the first time the person walks on the stage in the movie, I'll be like, that's the killer. Or there's the kind that I would never figure out in a million years and it just frustrates me. I guess I should ask you guys this question. Do you, pit, when you read an Agatha Christie that you've not read before, do you pit your wits against, not Mr. Marple, Miss Marple or uh, Poirot and try and figure it out? Like, I try to guess as I go through, especially a, since I've read a lot of Christie. I try to look for lines and... Um, do you find that she's since you sort of know Agatha Christie, can you do you sort of know what her bag of tricks is and you can figure it out? Not necessarily. I don't know. I don't think she she wasn't writing a board game. Right. She's not making clue. That's wasn't not the point. Wasn't she Danny? No. There was a whole, there was this whole game we had growing up. It's like a set of cards called something like Mastermind or IQ or something like that where you pulled it out and it had this it was all about finding the you know they they found a cello player dead wearing a sheath dress and <gasps> 
she can't play cello in a sheath dress, so we know she was murdered a different time. Right. You know, it, just those stupid little random facts you had to know to solve a mystery. I don't know. I guess some people try to read Agatha Christie trying to do that, but I think that's silly. She's just She just wrote really fun, interesting novels. I Agreed? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't... I knew the twist, so I wasn't trying to figure it out as I read it. Did you know but. the twist? I didn't. Alex figured it out toward the end. Before um, Alex. Alex is smarter than Hercule. Her- Hercule. Hercule. Well, Hercule, he, his little gray cells, he started figuring it out a lot earlier than he let on. That's uh-huh. true. Alex yeah. figured it out around the same. He's as smart, not smarter than. He could be Hercule. Paul. He Probably. just needs to grow the mustache. He just needs to grow the mustache. Yeah, he does. It'd be a nice red mustache. You and Alex would be a fantastic, like, cute mystery solving couple. Thanks. You're welcome. Um... I think you'd be really good at that. I mean, I don't know if you'd be well, good at solving mysteries, but I'd watch a TV show. I'm not weighing in on that. <laughs> I think you'd... Let's start a show. <laughs> the McNeely's. It feels like it would air on PBS. Or not... No, not PBS. I'm sorry. TBS. Anyway, Brandon? I didn't get the sense reading this that her point is to just... Like I said, I thought I was coming into a pot boiler. I had never read it before. But no, I don't think that she's just about the plot and about the mechanics. I think she wants to write interesting characters. And obviously her detectives, he gives her a whole how many novel arc. They're all on the back of this. Curtain is the last one. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> I'm not going to read them all. There's a lot. There's a lot. You know, more than 20. And from what I remember with the, the BBC series, there is actually kind of an arc to his character. And some conflict that she builds in with his sense of justice and his sense of what's right and wrong. And there's also this another character that comes in. What's the young guy who helps Hasti- him? Hastings. Hastings. I just, I don't have a lot to say about it. I enjoyed reading it. I did figure it out before we got the reveal. I, it was towards the end. Can't say. I don't remember when. I finished it a couple of weeks ago. I am the kind of person that is going to be figuring out the plot or trying to, or trying not to. And if it's a, an especially good book, I'm often actively working to, try to not figure out the plot. Thank you, R.L. Stein, for training me to think that way. <laughs> to not try to figure out the plot. But I sort of cut my teeth on Goosebumps books, and yeah. it's all about, you know, a little twist ending or whatever, and uh-huh. trying to figure that out ahead of time, it sort of became a, a game. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure I agree with you about, I think Poirot's an interesting character, but I can't, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since I read it, but I can't recall the names of anybody but Ratchet. And the only characters that I can place are the ones that I've associated with actresses from, or actors from the trailer for the Kenneth Branagh film. Well, I think in this book, that's purposeful in that because of the twist at the end, you have to be equally attached to all 12 suspects. Or equally unattached. Or equally unattached. You have to be sympathetic to them so that you're okay with Poirot letting them go, but you can't want one of them to be the killer or one of them not to be. You can't despise any of them. Yeah. yeah. It has to be a pretty equal. You have to be okay with them walking, so yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's not, yeah, there's not any prominent, and there's that couple, the English couple you meet at the very beginning. Right. Mary and the Colonel. Uh, But otherwise, yeah, you don't like Mrs. Hubbard, but then reveal you do because you're sympathetic to her. Right. And you have the Russian lady. Princess Dragomirov. Dragomirov. Something like that. Judy Dench. Judy Dench. I'm bad at names in general. Um, Ooh, Dragomirov. I was right. Very good. Thank you. Is it like that in most of her novels? Do her characters, are they flat or do they stand out? I wouldn't say in all, no, not in all of her novels. This one, yeah, this one's interesting in how systematic it is that you have the opening, each interrogation, and then the end. That's not normal? Mm-mm. No, normally. I assume that this was just standard. Normally, they're just novels um, where you get huh. in, you get information throughout, and 
Poirot will go and interview somebody. Maybe he'll go and live with them for a week or so. Yeah, so you don't have thing. like part one, the facts, part two, mm-hmm. the evidence. No, no, that's this is different in that regard. Huh, so this is its Which own I think adds to some of the detach. Well, one thing that I've noticed about Agatha Christie and I appreciate about her is it seems like she really liked to play with the form. I mean, this is a classic play with the form and that uh-huh. it's not a whodunit. It's, uh, I mean, it's everyone done it is the answer. And she also did, I don't know whether I should spoil all her tricks for people, but she did a famous, the narrator done it. I think she was one of the first people to do you break the fourth wall sort of thing where like the guy that's telling the story that you just assume is the Watson it actually ends up being the killer. Yeah. I won't tell you which one that is. You know which one that is? I do know which one that is. She did Poirot done it. And that one that Brandon's talking about. Wait, the, there's one that she has. She follows both the narrator and then omnisciently the killer. She has two storylines going in the same hmm. story. She did. She's done. I think nobody done it and or someone that we haven't met done it. I mean, she's she's done it all. She's done it all. She's like Wonder Woman. One thing that's not really as thematic here, but it does come out a lot in the PBS one is the way that the detective gets to be the um, bringer of justice, mm-hmm. whether or not they actually tell what they know. So that's hinted at here. But you, you, you feel the emotional weight of it. Is Poirot supposed to be a Catholic? Is that I've never seen that come up in any of the books. The BBS productions. Oh, really? The, and the conflict the, between his Catholicism what's happening here, his eventual letting them go. That might come up later. That's something that I've noticed. Um, so last summer I read nine or ten of her. I, it's, I have two collections. There's a Miss Marple and a Poirot. So nine or ten total. And in those that just I remember, they're packed away in a box. Otherwise I would have looked. There are three female murderers who are all, let's see, one, two of them are allowed to commit suicide. And one of them ends up kind of dying honorably and uh poirot never reveals that it was her who killed him so there's some interesting she yeah, tends I, to I, let women off the hook she tends to let women off the hook uh, obviously this is she let them all off the hook i can't i think in the the one where the narrator did it he goes to jail i can tell you because i was reading about it just today does, does he end up going no it's it's it, the book is actually you find out at the end it's a suicide note the oh book is a suicide yeah note. right that's right. Yeah, so a lot a lot of murderers are allowed to commit suicide or get right. off the hook. But Poirot does have relationships with the police, and I think some people go to jail. Well, yeah, he's being called back to Britain, right? Oh, yeah. Because he's helping with some case, and he was off helping the British Army at the beginning yeah. of this novel. Maybe it doesn't do anything for his character, but she does use him to think about these issues. So do you mind me spoiling the curtain? It's okay. You can do it. I don't have to. No, it's okay. Well, what happens there is there's a killer who's been, but he hasn't really been killing people. But Poirot, it's it's a strange thing. <laughs> He's kind of been manipulating people into mm. doing things. And so Poirot end up, ends up deciding that since he can't ever prove that this man is doing this, the only way to handle it is for him to kill him. And so Poirot kills him, and then Poirot died. <laughs> That's Poirot's end. Really <laughs> great summer reading. Right? That's Whoa. interesting. Yeah, that um, sounds neat. It's a good. Yeah, it's a good story. You should. It, the, and so they take some of those themes that are in that, and they put them into a murder on the Orient Express. I won't okay. spoil any of that. Into his version of it. Yeah some of the conflict. So he's much more conflicted about the decision he makes it because if you think about it, it's a, it's a conflicted decision not to spoil too much. He gets angry about it. You know, it's a kangaroo court. There's the tension. You see the tension there that you don't really see here at all. I don't think I don't, she doesn't portray him as conflicted about it. No, it moves by pretty quickly. Yeah. It's, you're supposed to just assume from the beginning that Ratchet got everything he deserved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She does a good job of that. Actually, Ratchet well, yeah, Seems he like, like kidnapped a, and murdered a little girl. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. she, she like, gives us everything. Uh, multiple little multiple girls, children, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. And so, uh, we had the death of her parents and 
Yeah. How yeah. do you quickest way to fr- frame somebody as unsympathetically as possible is <laughs> she, I mean, she could have made it a little worse, but then she wouldn't have been Agatha Christie about it, I guess. So, yeah, I will say not so much. Not so. Yeah. This book, there's not a ton of, I know the characters themselves aren't all that memorable or interesting, but one of her things with Miss Marple is that she relates everyone she meets to someone she already knows. And I think reading those that she, she does write very realistic characters. You know, I, I can think in the mirror cracked. Yeah, I know somebody like Heather Babcock. I know somebody like that person. I think she does write, Christy really studied people really well. And I think she wrote very realistic characters, um, whether or not they were, whether or not she went, goes that deep in them. It's interesting because, you know, for me coming to this, my assumption based on the structure of this particular novel, not having read Christy before and seeing just generally how flat most of the characters are and how difficult it was for me as I was, that was the most difficult thing for me going through it was like tracking who was who. Cause mm-hmm. it, you know, there, there wasn't that one detail, that one really strong thing that helped me remember or associate, you know, this, this character with that thing they did or didn't do or where they were or, or whatever. It just wasn't as strong. I thought m- much more, my assumption was that she's a, you know, take notes and draw the list and try to figure out who done it is more of her, more of her shtick. And the, you know, the adaptations I had seen were more actors and actresses trying to bring more character where there were flat characters. So to hear you guys say that it's not actually the way. I think, I mean, I think she made them because of, I don't know, they all had kind of a stereotypical there's very much thing like about them. The <laughs> yeah. American, maybe. Yeah, there's the, the American and the Italian and the Swede and the German and the princess and the Hungarians and the the stoic Brit and the gregarious Brit and the woman Brit. Uh-huh. Well, that was the point. It was supposed to be the melting pot tell, right? Yeah. How he ended up figuring it out. Right. Only uh, in America. Only in America could you have all these people together. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how Alex figured it out, too. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Alex's little gray cells really do work exactly in the same way. That's really how he figured it out? Yeah, he said, uh, yeah. Wow. I know. While he was, like, falling asleep last night while reading. It came to him. He doesn't even have to be awake. I know. Isn't he good? How good do his little gray cells work uh, when like, he's had his coffee and, you know. <laughs> he edits books for Warhorn Media. Well, That's what yeah, he does. That takes like the yeah, ultimate no books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, 10 Little Indians or And Then or None or whatever it's called. That's an interesting story of mm-hmm. people. And of justice. Of justice and, and guilt. And it's almost like a slasher thing almost. <laughs> yeah. Don't they all die these weird, like each one of them has a different... Mm-hmm crazy death based like, on the poem uh yeah ten little indians ten little indians yeah yeah but i mean you can't figure it trying out trying to put a thought together <laughs> jake's got uh, jake's point about none of the characters being memorable is also i buy that because i'm not really remembering many of them <laughs> but then he has these things to identify each one but it's all stereotype it's very uh, it's just flat that's all it's not that it's um i mean you're right the the Brit, the American, the you know the German lady or, or whatever. Well, we can't um, deduct points for stereotype. I mean, we've, no, we've talked often. We've on talked well, about that's, the that's, value of stereotypes, and that's part Especially of the point. Things like this. in their in their whole construct to make it so that none of them were blamed, as they mm-hmm. all played into their stereotypes. The Italian was very Italian. That's right. Yeah. And the Brit was very British, and that's why they were. That's why you knew they weren't friends. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, it really the the, the well, largely the point of this is that they are just stereotypes. So I would say the characters that I remember the most would be the doctor. Mm-hmm. So this- and which is so to your point, I remember the doctor and I remember the um, what's your book? What's your book? Mister book. Yeah. I mean, they're interesting characters. They're funny. and they're just regular. But it's because they're, they're not people. play acting in yeah. this. Mm-hmm. 
That's interesting. Right. Yeah, I hadn't thought. Well, of see, that and that, but that again is a place where I think maybe I'm maybe I'm representing other reader readers out there. When you come to an author and you don't have expectations for level of sophistication that they're bringing to what mm-hmm. they're writing, you don't really know what you're dealing with. And so you you read this novel in the context of lots of Agatha Christie, and you can be like, oh no, no, you know, I see how. It was actually really smart the way that she played these things. And I look at it, you know, just reading it the first time. And I think, is this because she meant to do this or because Mm -hmm. she can't do this or... Well, it's funny. I would have, before I came on the book name, Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. I would have said I enjoyed Agatha Christie. And then all the thinking I had to do, getting ready to deflect all your anti-Christie I don't, I'm not an anti-Christie. I'm not the anti-Christy. I'm not the anti-Christy. Jake had warned me the other night that you said there was no character development. The anti-Christy. But it's actually been thinking through this and realizing these things about how she writes and how well she did craft this. Let me say some nice things about her to that. The fact that she makes any of this plausible at all is amazing. And that's Mm -hmm. what I notice every time I watch a Christie movie, read a Christie book. Witness for the Prosecution is the perfect example of, it's a movie I love and I recommend. Brandon, you've seen it. Jake, see it. You should see it if you don't remember it. it. It's really good. Uh, Charles Lawton, Elsa Lancaster, just great, great, great movie. Wonderful movie. Put it on your list, people. But her stories are always the kinds of stories where you can just think like someone could mess this up and make it so just one thing absurd or ridiculous one thing is wrong or off it's gonna not feel plausible like the idea that all these people hatched this plot they all got together they all came on a train you know it's 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 a kind of a crazy story you know if you read it in Mm -hmm. the news you'd be like what as this is one of her more sort of down to earth you know some of the things like and then there were none or you know there's they're really insane but it always feels completely plausible when you're reading Mm -hmm. it and that's a really I don't know how she does it. I mean, it's, it's, I I honestly, I don't, I wish I had more insight into how she does it because it's really special. It's a gift. And I don't know. I think that's probably why a lot of people, one of the reasons a lot of people like her, I think is just because it actually, you're reading this crazy murder story that goes to some really weird places, but it just feels. Yeah. Part of it is one of the places I noticed it the most was when something that would have been silly in somebody else's hands where he burns that paper. And mm-hmm. It just so happens to be that phrase that tells him it's little Daisy Armstrong. I think what happened, the way she handles it, it's pretty clever. She has him get a hat box and they go through the whole drama, finding the wire netting and stuff. And then he does this magic with it. And so again, it goes back to the power of the detective and his eccentric ability. Mm-hmm. You put a lot of that weight in his corner. And if he carries that. He gets to be the magician that makes yeah. all of this stuff actually work. Yeah. Which is like for the new Sherlock series you were talking about is where it's kind of gone off. It's just too much. of Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and you can't follow it in the new Sherlock series and it's just silly. I mean, the new Sherlock series is actually a pretty good example, especially in the the really dumb later seasons of how silly this kind and implausible this kind of thing can seem if you don't pull it off perfectly. She does. I mean, I would say much better than Conan Doyle, for example. Like mm-hmm. I like Sherlock Holmes much better as a character than um, Poirot. I'd rather read about Sherlock Holmes and Watson personally, just because they seem like cool dudes. Uh, you know, I'd rather have a beer with them than with uh, Poirot. Sorry. And, no, I would too. Well, okay. I don't think Poirot would drink a beer. That's true. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly, Brandon. <laughs> In terms of just the brilliance of the plots and the way that it all works together and the way that it ties together and the fact that I can keep up just enough and sometimes i'll be ahead and sometimes i'll be she's she's really good at what she does i Mm -hmm. mean i don't want to i don't particularly 
You've never finished one of her books, but you really respect her. <laughs> well, I do. She's I good do. at her craft. She knows what she's yeah. doing. I have she knows what she's doing. Her she books. does it well. I, uh, let me just explain why I feel like I can at least be a part of this discussion. Um, one, it's my show, so shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be the number one reason. Uh, number two, I had a roommate who was seeped in Christie-ishness. And so that's that the PBS stuff would always be on. He'd always be listening to it. I have heard and been very familiar with Poirot my entire life. I just, that's, that's kind of the weird thing. That's, that's why I'm a little confused by the fact that Christie leaves me cold because I always enjoy the movies and stuff. And then actually reading it, it doesn't seem that bad. It's like, you could say the prose isn't Shakespeare, but it's not bad prose or anything. But why does it leave me cold, Danny? Explain. I, I don't know. What's my problem? I wish I knew. I like good literature. <laughs> okay. yeah, the problem lies in the way that you described your love for Raymond Chandler. Yeah. Right? Probably. So what did you say? You said he's terrible at plot and it's all about, but I really love his colorful characters and the dialogue and the style. And, you know, we can say that Christy doesn't always do with characters what she does here or whatever, but at the end of the day, that's not her focus or her emphasis. What she's that's driving true. toward is a unique plot device mm-hmm. in everything that she does. That's what I'm gathering from context, from Danny, from obviously Murder on the Orient Express. Part of the fun is how can she upend things? What's going to be the cool plot device? What's going to be the turn at the end? And that's what you're really in it for and what she's carrying you towards. And the whatever color she gives to her characters or withholds from her characters is only in service of of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas it sounds like Chandler plots there to service the characters. Well, I actually have a, I brought along a quote that's Chandler, this, a quote that he wrote. Um, he, he wrote an essay on the detective story. He's actually talking about, he, Chandler really didn't like Agatha Christie. Sorry. It's, it's okay. I know it's devastating that the great Raymond Chandler didn't like <laughs> I have no idea who Raymond Agatha Chandler Christie. is. <laughs> okay. Um, Quote, the emotional basis of the standard detective story, he's talking about Agatha Christie, was, or and that kind of stuff, was and had always been that murder will out and justice will be done. Its technical basis was the relative insignificance of everything except the final denouement. What led up to that was more or less passage work. The denouement would justify everything. And then he starts to talk about his literature, which was published in a magazine called The Black Mask. Uh, The technical basis of the Black Mask type of story, on the other hand, was that the scene outranked the plot in the sense that a good plot was one which made good scenes. The ideal mystery was one you would read if the end was missing. We who tried to write it had the same point of view as the filmmakers. When I first went to Hollywood, a very intelligent producer told me that she couldn't make a successful motion picture from a mystery story because the whole point was a disclosure that took a few seconds of screen time while the audience was reaching for its hat. He was wrong, but only because he was thinking of the wrong kind of mystery. End mm. quote. So I don't know. That's that's just kind of the feeling I get when I read those, that Agatha Christie is that it's just like legwork and things sort of getting put in place. And she does a great job and I respect it and I understand why people enjoy it. But it does kind of feel like the really cool part is at the end. And when I watch a movie, I have to wait two hours for the really cool part and I'll get some pretty actors to look at some nice scenery and stuff. (laughs) When I read a book, I have to read six hours of a book to get to the really cool part. You know, I can understand that. You can understand that. I enjoy the other stuff too. You enjoy the other stuff too. I respect your opinion. What do you enjoy? What did you write on your notes there? Well, Actually, the only other thing that I thought of to write down, I think a lot of people don't like mystery stories like this because I think it's going to be the, the least, you know, it's, it's the least likely suspect. And in the end, it's actually the mild-mannered, mm, right. the mild-mannered maid who, who turns out to be a serial killer. Right. But I think 
Christie writes good characters. Yes. And, and the psychology of it is, you know, the people that she writes really could have done the thing they did. Yes. And I think that Christie has a very good understanding of to- total depravity. Yes. That anybody could be a murderer given the right motivation and means. I will, I will agree with that because in all the Agatha Christie stuff, I hadn't thought about this. You just made Agatha Christie go up in my estimation, actually. Right now, it's happening live. We're capturing it on the bookening. Something fascinating this is, is happening so to me. I know. Coming to you live. Right <laughs> um, what did Conrad? Say, what did the doctor say to Marlowe? And if you could watch somebody's. I wish you could watch somebody's brain as it changes. Yes. <laughs> you getting to do that right now? Yeah. yeah. If you could watch my brain right now, I mean, for one thing, just to see an amazing specimen. Thrilling. Like that. But <laughs> for another thing, it's the little gray cells are going because I have never. In all my David Suchet, in all my plays, in all my listening to Andrew Wigginer's audio books, I have never doubted the motivations of Agatha Christie. And that is almost of, like, of, of the murderer at the mm-hmm. end. It's never been like, well, that was a cheap plot device. That person, why was the nice, sweet little maid actually able to stab this person? Well, because it's a good twist, not because she's actually able to do it. Mm-hmm. I have never felt that with Agatha Christie. And that's really super cool because I feel that all the time and all kinds of mystery those csi shows those kinds of things where there's some killer and it's the person that you least well number one if you want to know how to identify the killer it is the high-paid actor that probably isn't in this movie just to play the pharmacist that's in it for three seconds Uh uh-huh you know if there is a good name actor in the movie it's usually going to be the killer because they wanted to give a big speech at the end where they said i i did it so that's how you figure out a movie Mm-hmm. But, but not an Agatha Christie. But not an Agatha Christie movie. Well, mm-hmm. what they do in those is they just cast them with all stars. So that's <laughs> right. they, get all and any one of them actors. could want to give the speech about, ah, <laughs> Well, in this case, they could all do it. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah. Good job, Danny. Good job, Agatha Christie. She's yeah, really great. good at that. She, it, It's good plotting. I, I mean, it, but it's more than that. I mean, uh, she is good in the, with the characters insofar as I've never felt that before with her. And I really, I mean, how many, I, I, don't, I can't think of any good examples, but surely you guys have watched mysteries and uh, stuff yeah, like that. Well, CSI. Yeah. Those sorts of shows. Yeah. It's just about the cheap twist. Shyamalan. Well, even that Sherlock series had a couple of them where it was just like, oh, it's the, the sweet little old lady. She's the killer. Neat twist. That's right. I Sherlock, forgot about that yeah. one. Lit, lit, you know. It's in the fourth season. Where, yeah. Yeah. That was just out of nowhere. It mm-hmm. felt, yeah. Yeah. But you're right. That none of this ever feels like it's just out of nowhere. Well, the best twists are always the ones that feel inevitable. It's why I don't right. like, here, I'll spoil something else, The Usual Suspects. Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Soze. Sorry, if you haven't seen The Usual Suspects, then don't watch it because it's not that great. But uh, also, the twist is from like 20 years. So shut up, listener. Who cares? Like, what am I trying to say? That's an exi- that's a famous twist. That it- Has anybody even seen The Usual Suspects yeah. besides me? No. And Brandon, we're the sinners. Verbal Kent. Verbal Kent is um, Kaiser Soze. So the whole movie, Kevin Spacey is being interrogated by the police and he's telling the story of a brilliant criminal mastermind and how this guy got away with this huge crime. And then when, as Kevin Spacey walks out of the police office at the end, the policeman looks around and he sees all these different things on the wall and he realizes that Kevin Spacey was just making the story up and Kevin Spacey, in fact, is Kaiser Soze. It's a big, it's like a famous, it's a famous twist. But it's like one of those things where it doesn't, it's not, it's not laid in in the beginning, which mm-hmm. is what Christie does. Like you, So a good twist, what am I trying to say? I don't know how to articulate it, but a good twist has to feel inevitable. It has to feel like, oh, if I had been paying attention, I would have caught it. If it doesn't feel like that, then it's a 
just a random arbitrary twist. The best twists are where it's, it suddenly casts light on what came yeah. before, you know? If it's just like, the sweet little old maid is actually a psychotic serial killer, it's like, <laughs> who cares? But if the sweet little old maid was doing things that could be interpreted both as psychotic and sweet, and suddenly you interpret them as sweet the whole time, and then suddenly you interpret them as psychotic, that makes your little gray cells feel yeah. pleasure. And I've been able to reread some of Christie and realize, oh, yeah, there's a line. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's, that was just dropped as part of the dialogue. And that was a major clue. And How did she do it here? What was, I guess, and this was maybe an easy one once she had the idea, because she's relying on you to think it's just one person and to mm-hmm. kind of alternately suspect. Well, I did, this. you know, as you go through, oh, you know, the maid who killed herself was either French or Swedish. Oh, it's, it's the Swedish. It's the Swede. Right. But no, but she's, she's a missionary. Right. And then, oh, <laughs> oh it's the German. No, it's the, yeah, so you kinda, I, I got all of them at one point or another. What tipped you off, Jake? You said you figured it out toward the end. If I had to guess what tipped you off, you probably just thought, what would be a good plot device for this <laughs> thing to it was, have? It was a lot of weird things. It was that they were all tied. Mm. They're all from all over the place. They're all connected to this guy one way or another. There are 12 of them, and there was the line about a jury of peers early on that was planted. So you actually did a good job of figuring it out. My, my, uh, my condescending um, summation of what you did was completely false. I assumed you just like... It's like, oh, well, I've seen movies before. But instead, you thought about it, and you thought about the same things that Poirot thought about, and you figured it out. Well, I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, I, did, I did think about Agatha. I did think about the author writing, like, you know, why is she planting this here or there? Why, why are we seeing these things unfold this way? So I don't know. I was looking for it. You had told me it was like a famous twist. And so I was... I probably, probably should told you that. Yeah, yeah, if you didn't tell me that... You are kind of probably thinking I was, more outside I was, the box I was prepared to think yeah. a little more outside of yeah. the box. So that probably helped me. Yeah. Darn yeah. it. Toward the end, Alex said, I think I might know who did it. I should tell you now. So in case I'm right, we'll know now. So he said... <laughs> I think it might have been all of them, but I think that'll be kind of lame. And then I asked him at the end, and he said it wasn't lame. That she actually had, she'd wrapped it up well. Yeah, well, that's and my it, point. She it was makes those things feel plausible. If mm-hmm. you told, if you told me, if if I set out to write, they all done it, uh-huh. and they all done it on a train, I would, I would suck. I wouldn't do a good job like Agatha Christie does at all. I mean, I don't think uh, I've tried to write stories in fiction and stuff before. You, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard, Danny. You ever tried to write anything before? Yeah. You just like to stir that uh, pot. And in like high school books. English class. In your high school English book. I mean, plot is hard, right, Brandon? Plot is hard. And young writers, they think that it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it does. It does matter. Something about structure. Something about structure. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Well, and making the structure seem inevitable, but then also just having a prose style and a dialogue style that doesn't get in the way of the story, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she doesn't. Her prose isn't purple, and her dialogue is fine. And each of her characters have their own way of speaking. It might be exaggerated, but as Danny's pointed out, it's on purpose. And Poirot's supposed to be exaggerated because that's his eccentricity. And he uses that too. You know, where he's with the Italian, he's very orderly and keeps him in line. And then with yeah. the English woman, he's trying to shake her off. Poirot does different things. When you were in middle school reading Christie, how did you deal with foreign languages, the French? Or you just the read right over him. Just skipped right over uh, no I, I studied French in middle school actually so you know yeah. what he was saying but was it it wasn't just French was there also German in, in here or, uh, I only I saw French I've okay. just recently started relearning French 
On Duolingo. On Duolingo. Yeah. That's right. I'm like 19% fluent or something. Wow. 19% fluent? Wee oui, wee. Oui. Yes. I was hoping that would be your answer. Well, so I, I did wonder, like, um, as you're hitting some French that seemed, uh, I guess, a little critical to the to the plot. You know, what was he saying there? That was. I think it's not supposed to be. I don't know. I think it's part of him being Belgian that he just says things and. Well, there's that one line. What does he say? What does Ratchet say? I don't, I don't remember. Sweet trumpet. <laughs> non non trumpet. Or non ratchet. Oh, here we go. Grand dame. <laughs> Sonarion. Je me suis trompé. Je me suis trompé. Je me suis um, trompé. It's nothing. Uh, I think trompé is like I'm lying down. Um <laughs> I always figure when I see things in book like that in books like this that that's just color and I don't have to know what it is and I never bother looking yes. it up. Yeah, Tolstoy has whole sections in <laughs> French, yeah, especially in the Constance Garnet translation. Yes, <laughs> fortunately, Pavar and Volonsky they translate it for you, don't they? I only wanted to know if it was any kind of barrier to you as a younger. I don't think so. I think I probably just read right over it, gotcha. um, or maybe looked it up. Certainly, while I'm stirring soup, I just read on past it. it. Well, you, have, you, uh-huh. can't, you don't have three hands. It's true. Um, for those of you who are watching, listening to this and can't see Danny, two hands. A two handed woman, she is. I don't want to derail us. You want me to say something? Sure. If you, <laughs> well, one thing I was thinking, and this kind of goes back to baggage, mm-hmm. something I didn't mention there. We actually never closed our the baggage bag. We never so. did close the baggage bag. <laughs> We're still in baggage. We're still in baggage? Oh, wow. Because <laughs> okay, when, when are we going to start talking about the book? <laughs> um, one thing I've tried to get myself over is mm-hmm. something that I did a lot. Well, when I was, especially an undergrad, mm-hmm. which was just automatically hate anyone who was popular. And so one thing I try to do now is assume that if someone has sold the third most books of anyone in the history of writing, then maybe there's something worth reading. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's the same. So I read, before I had ever even tried to read Stephen King, mm-hmm. instead I read an essay by Harold Bloom on Stephen King where mm. he just hated Stephen yeah, yeah, King. Because yeah. hey, Harold Bloom loves his brain, mm. right? He's the kind that would congratulate himself for reading Hart Crane, who's a really difficult, worthless poet, because nobody enjoys him except for Harold Bloom. Right. And so for a long time, I would not read Stephen King. And then mm. finally I read Stephen King. I was like, this kind of reminds me of like Steven Spielberg. And it's like, right. you know that moment in uh, Ratatouille where the cold-hearted critic yeah, he eats, the, the, eats the, the, the big meanie. Yeah. That's it's a like great moment. Yeah, you have back. the flashback yeah. to watching Indiana Jones and in Jurassic Park. <laughs> You're like, this isn't so bad. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> and then Brandon was a different person. Right. <laughs> and and so, so when you see something like the fact that she has sold that many books, you have to pause and wonder what value is there. Because it has to be something. Well, along those... I don't those, think that that many people are wrong. Mm-hmm. Along the, those... Oh. No, sorry. That's what you've been wrong. <laughs> along those lines... So what do you guys many, think about... Uh, <laughs> along those but lines... But really, that many people can be wrong. If you, <laughs> it could be. <laughs> C'est possible. Um, along those lines... I think this with how many, just keep going. You <laughs> 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 always take it one too far. <laughs> It was written and produced by Nathan Alberson. It was performed by the mom. We still don't know whether she's the bomb. We've got more episodes to go. Danny, you think you're going to make the bomb of reading? I sure hope so. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like the little girl voice that you did that in. That was funny. Um, made me laugh. Jay, uh, Brandon, yeah, you've been keeping score. You're one of the judges. Are uh-huh. you? How many, you? You're feeling this mom who's a bomb thing, or are you feeling more dubstep, Danny? I'm gonna keep that to myself. Keeping that to yourself, Jake. Hold my cards tight. Told player Jake's a man who plays his cards tight. Um, he gets really wasted before playing cards, is what I'm trying to say. Um, wordplay. Hashtag wordplay. Tight means drunk. Um, does it? I think so. <laughs> I, I did not know that. <laughs> okay. I don't think I I've ever heard that before. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> okay. Okay. Book uh, yeah, is produced by me. Go to look us up on social media, folks. I don't have to tell you how to do it. You can got to log onto a computer, get to the internet, find the thing. Do it. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, Danny. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.